Welcome to the Rerooted Podcast with Francesca Maxime, trauma-sensitive mindfulness meditation teacher and poet. Together, we'll take a closer look at approaches to transforming trauma with insights from psychology, neuroscience, spirituality, social justice, and the creative arts. Join Francesca and her guests for an exploration of our shared connection and how we can cultivate greater compassion for ourselves and for others. If you'd like to support Francesca and the Rerooted Podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Hey everybody, Francesca. I'm Francesca Maxime. Welcome to today's edition of the Rerooted Podcast here on Ram Dass's Be Here Now Network. You can learn more about me at MaximeClarity.com. That's M-A-X-I-M-E, Clarity, C-L-A-R-I-T-Y.com. I am here with uh, pianist Mickey Yamanaka. I am thrilled that you're joining us here today on the Rerooted Podcast. It's been one of my... Um, efforts to kind of also include the joyful and the creative arts aspects of uh, the ways in which healing can happen and transformation can occur and the ways that uh, spiritual practice and mindfulness practices, which is what this podcast is a little bit rooted in, um, is, is part of it, you know, meditating and, 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 and all of those kinds of things. But that also practicing <laughs> is, is very much a practice, meaning practicing your musical right. instrument. And so I just want to really welcome you, uh, Mickey, to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about, you know, anything, you know. Yeah. I'm excited. It's great. I, so I met, I didn't meet you, but I first heard you when you were doing a, um, you know, guest uh, appearance with uh, Emmett Cohen's Monday Night uh, yeah. Jazz group and I had Warren Wolf on the podcast the other day and I'm going to be taping Emmett soon himself I think he's in Russia right now um playing over there and I don't know I guess maybe some of the things that that I would like to start with is your tell us how you came from Japan mm -hmm. to come to the United States as a jazz pianist a musician a woman all these intersections that um, I just think are fascinating come together and um, and you live in Harlem, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So just tell me a little bit about your journey in terms of being a musician and how you got here to the U.S. and New York. Um, so I was born and raised in Japan. I was taking classical piano lessons like other Asian kids, whatever. It's a it's a thing. It's a really thing. And uh, yeah, my mom forced me to go to, you know, piano lessons. I did never liked it, but uh I guess I was good at it in terms of like listening and then like learning music from by like from ears. And then like I got to know about jazz. I was in a brass band in junior high school and they play jazz a lot. So I got to know more about like Count Basie's style of music, the big band and stuff like that. But I never improvised or anything. So my like starting point is very late, like compared to all the kids in like New York City and in the United States, everybody starts in like middle school, like they start improvising and like learning Oscar Pearson, like Charlie Parker and like, you know, all those like grades, you know, but never did that. So um, I was, uh, I majored science in college. I was doing completely different things, but I gradually started playing more jazz um, uh, in college in Japan. And then I, I had this opportunity to make a little money just playing piano as a side job. So like I got some money. So I decided to come to New York for a week. And then I saw a, um, 
a concert uh, of uh, Cedar Walton, the piano player. And then that blew my mind. I was like, oh, this is great. So young Mickey decided to move to New York for a year just because it's so appealing. You know, New York is awesome. I didn't speak any English. Uh, but I, for some reason, like I just like told my mom, I want to be able to speak English. So like, let me move to the new, like United States and I convinced her really well. So uh, I came to New York in 2012 and I went to city college to study English. I didn't speak mm. English. So. Wow. so that was the beginning. And, um, da, 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 and then I just like, decided to go out every night to meet people, practice music get to know more tunes and stuff like that so i just fell in love and i just you know th this became a part of my life so i had to go back to japan and re come back here again but long long story short i just like this lifestyle of being a musician was very natural to me so it just happened everything happened naturally and then i i don't know like just <laughs> I'm still here. So, yeah, you're still yeah. here and you're still playing music. And I'm so curious about this shift from like, you didn't like practicing, you didn't really want to do classical, but then you liked something about jazz and the improvisation and all yeah, that kind I of stuff. So. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. It sounds like you had a natural gift, a natural ear for the music, um, but that just the sort of classical was a good foundation perhaps about a lot of things so, that it yeah. wasn't what want that's at least what Warren Wolf said when I was talking to him you know that 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 there was there's a good foundation in some of that but anyway mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about that shift of my mom made me do this I didn't want to do this but now I fell in love with jazz yeah it's funny so like my mom and my dad both love jazz they even like went out for listening to some jazz when they're young and stuff so uh when my dad had to move to a different uh, university, which he teaches, um, my mom found this school that uh, the junior high school that I went to that they had the jazz brass band. Um, so my mom knew that I don't enjoy the piano lessons necessarily, but she knows that I like music. So she was like, oh, maybe you want to try this instead. So then like I really became like, oh, I love this feel, I love this, you know, like just the style of music so much more than like, oh, like just practice one thing and like, you know, it's more freedom and like more joy in the music. I just found more joy in the music. I love classical music now, yeah. but back then jazz was more appealing to me because yeah. of this like feel, like danceable music and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love what I love what you're even doing with your hands there, sort of gesturing and sort of, you know, the, the improvisation and the creativity and things like that, yeah. which is so interesting because from a perspective of, you know, like I was saying before about practice, whether it's spiritual practice or athletes, of course, they have to yeah. repeat the same movements and yes, strength indeed. training in different ways and mind their diets and you know different things mm -hmm. like that you know that their spiritual practice you know musical practice athletic mind body soul spirit all these different things you know that the freedom comes to do all these fun things that you want to do when you're grounded in a certain degree of discipline which you know from 
at least my understanding, I don't know that I'm particularly good at it, is um, part of what happens when we're able to establish what they would call, you know, one-pointed concentration and just sort of be in a, be in a more uh, a centered place of focusing our attention. Yeah, yeah. That things open up you know, that, that, yeah. more, that more is possible there. Do you have a spiritual practice or would you say piano is your spiritual practice? Mm, I don't know. Food? <laughs> <laughs> I like to eat. So I like to cook and I like to eat. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think eating healthy and eating well is very important to human beings, like more than people think, you know. Yeah. It's really important eating well, like grounded. Like I'm not vegan or anything. I eat everything, but just with the healthy balance of everything, you know, eating everything and thank every bit of things that I cook and I eat, like I consume, like I really thank them. So tell me about um, that. You're thanking them that you're consuming them. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so like I think some people have like a ethical reasons that they don't want to eat meat because of this industry and stuff like that. But I know that animals and plants, they're all, they have all spiritual, uh, no, no, spirit. They have all the spirits, like either plants or vegetables or animals or whatever. So if, if it comes to in front of me and like, I'm about to cook them. I thank them because they were alive. They were, they used to be alive, but they're dead. And then we all are going to die. You know, we were born like individually different things, but then we die and it would become kind of the same thing like ashes or like, you know, mm. human cremations and stuff like that. Um, but like in front of me, there are beautiful food, you know, beautiful vegetables, beautiful meat and fish and stuff like that. I just, you know, like I, I'm so thankful that I get to cook them. I get to eat them and like get to nourish, nourish and like, you know, like I could get to like really feel alive mm-hmm. from that. Isn't that nice? Like, I really think that's so important to remind yourself that we're, we're meant to live by the, you know, the things that are already dead, but, you know, used to be alive. You know, that's kind of my yeah. belief. Like, yeah. I, I, I love what you're saying. I really just am, in, am I'm enlivened by it myself just because the whole idea of um, gratitude, gratitude as a practice, appreciation, you know, yes. and actually making that an active part of your daily practice with your cooking. That's why I think so many people feel as though, they have to be a separate spiritual person over here on the meditation cushion or at church or in the synagogue or yeah, whatever they like. Yeah. Well, I I don't mind them at all, but yes, that's what I do, you know? Right. I guess what I'm saying is, is it can be integrated in, in ways in your life, your, 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 your relationship to other things Mm -hmm. you know, we would maybe call it our interdependence, our, our, our causality, our, our um, causes and conditions that yes, things are going to die, including ourselves and um, that I can have gratitude and I can appreciate and I can not have, um, and I can share, you know, I can, as you're doing these things with your food, you know, making food, I'm, I'm picturing you having people over for dinner and, yes, and, and you know, and, uh... yeah, exactly. And, and I feel like that's way then 
you know, we need to have a healthy body, we're playing the music, then we're nourishing other people with the music that you yes. offer. And I'm wondering if I can find a piece of your music to play a little bit for people so they can get a taste and then we'll yeah. come back after we listen to it a little bit. Is there yeah. any is there any particular piece on your website that you would like to share or should I just find something? Um, um, I can send you something, I guess so. Um, so tell me about the piece that we're going to look at now. Um, so I've been doing a uh, live streaming series every Wednesday. Like I just started a couple months ago, like, you know, inspired by Emmett, what Emmett has been doing. And like, I got to see the real scene. I don't have that much gear that he has, but like, I, I'm trying to do what, what I can do and to be able to make music every week yeah. with a uh, different bass player, because my husband is a drummer, Jimmy McBride. So uh, um, we just, you know, we don't want to, make it a little too crazy because of the COVID. Um, Want to have different bass player each week. You know, this is the excerpt of that scene, basically, that uh, our friend Yasushi Nakamura played the bass with us that week. And the, you know, Chick Korea, the great piano player, just passed away. So yeah. it was really, you know, meaningful week to play his music. So maybe you can just get a little taste of that. All right, let's just hold on a second and we're going to take a listen. Thanks. All right, so we're going to take a listen. Thank you. 
I'm just going to pause there and just kind of come back to our conversation and just, yeah. you know, uh, you know, just really sort of name how beautiful it is that in this time of COVID that you can share these living room concerts with people and kind of bring a live jazz experience to people who may not normally go out to a jazz club, whether yeah. it's in Baltimore or LA or Austin, Texas or New York. And that this is really just a gift and that there's so much out there and you're contributing to that. And, um, you know, how has that been for you to be a musician during the time of COVID when you can't tour or go to clubs? Yeah, that's, it's, I didn't know this would happen ever, you know, like, what the heck? Like the, maybe like the 9-11 happened to New York and some people told me New York was a whole mess, which was like, you know, people were in grief and like sad, but like you could still go out to, play music on a road like to different country or something like that um but this is world pandemic nowhere you can go or you can play music so it's it's it got me pretty depressed it really got me dark for sure I drunk a lot of wine uh-huh uh, every day almost I drunk a lot and I'm not proud of it uh-huh uh-huh I think a lot of people are dealing with coping in different ways. Yeah, um, but I quit smoking cigarettes. I used to smoke cigarettes. But then when the COVID happened, you know, the main thing that people were talking about was like, you know, if you smoke cigarette, um, high, higher risk. And I didn't yeah. want to even go outside. I'd never smoke at home. So I was like, oh, and I stopped smoking. So I just needed like a different substance of, you know, yeah, not proud, but uh, that's how I coped with. And uh, I listened to a lot of music, though. I listened to a lot of records and CDs that I have and like trying to be more like appreciative of what I have. Yeah, because we can't really go out and listen to some music and stuff like that. Because I used to do that all the time. I go. I love to go out to listen to music like classical jazz. Cuban music, you know, anything. Like, I love to just be there. Mm -hmm. The music is the best when it's live. Right. So. right. It is hard. It was hard. But it's been better, though. It's been definitely better. Yeah. I'm playing for people sometimes, you know. It's, like, so rewarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can yeah. really sense that. But I appreciate your honesty around the struggle because I think a lot of people are struggling and they're struggling silently and they're struggling in a way that's isolated and they feel as though um, if they're eating differently or if they're drinking or smoking or doing things differently that they feel mm. bad about themselves for that. And I just think that it's part of the journey in terms of, you know, we can ground ourselves in various practices and you can appreciate what we have, but also sometimes it's just a lot. Um, and, yeah. and I appreciate your honesty on that, you know? Um, and it's interesting, right? Because of COVID, there's also the whole thing that uh, came up last year with Black Lives Matter movement. And we yes. were talking about, before we get on the call, uh, we're taping today in, in, in March of 2021, that just last night, there was um, eight people that were killed, uh, it, it, six Asian women in shootings at massage parlors in Georgia. And I had a, a client of Asian descent earlier today who was really talking about the sadness and the rage that are connected to, to these, to these um, issues 
uh, about racial violence, racialized violence. And I just didn't know if you had any thoughts about that that you might want to share. Um, yeah, um, for sure. The biggest thing for me that hit in the morning was like, um, it's very sad and like, but I don't know, like people might say different things. I don't know, this is my feelings, but uh, uh, when I scroll on, you know, Instagram or um, Facebook, like I see people's reaction to what happened to the world, right? And then I just didn't really see too many of that about the incident. Um, and I just couldn't believe this was real or not because not too many people shared it. Like it's an outrageous thing to me as an Asian woman because I know for the fact my Asian friends who live in New York got beaten or got yeah. robbed like since COVID happened, just like definitely more hate crimes towards Asian people for sure. Right. For sure. I know that for the fact, I, luckily I haven't dealt with any so far, right. but who knows? Like I go out to, you know, go out with my kimono on, you know, like I, people can tell immediately, oh, that, that bitch is Asian, you know, like they can totally hit me and like put me into the really serious danger, but I've been okay so far. I'm really thankful for that, but my friends got spitted, beaten, like really um, horrible. It's terrible. So like, None of them were killed, but those people, those women were killed in Georgia. Um, it's very sad, and, but like, I didn't really see my friend's reaction so much. And mm. that made me sad. Are you I talking about sad. white friends? Yeah, like white friends or like even Asian friends. Like, the, the, why don't you speak up? Like, why don't you talk about this? You know, why don't you show your rage? Like, we maybe we don't we're not good at that. Maybe we're not good at showing our sadness to like a outwardly, like to public, you know, maybe like there must be sad. They must be dealing with this everyday fear. Right. But we don't really speak up. Showing the rage you know, is, yeah. is, is against your cultural values, perhaps. I, yeah. Like I don't, speak for every Asian of country, course of course but like at least as a Japanese woman that is huge part of the culture you know women's women women are always behind the men you know like you know Japan is a you know sophisticated like gentle like you don't really show your personality that's the reason why I moved to New York too you know in Japan yeah. it was much harder for me to express my uh, personality so, yeah, I just, my thoughts are, I'm so sad to know that happened. White man killed Asian woman. That's completely disgusting. Um, but I just want to encourage my Asian friends and other, any ethnical people, including white friends, just show your rage and like be with us, like feel with us, you know, that will be so helpful to no, you know, like, oh, y'all, y'all are feeling with us, you know, that's cool, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm really hearing that call for solidarity. Like we are in this together, like show your rage to show that you're aligned in our in our suffering and in our pain. And I think that that's, you know, it's so ironic that um, so many folks who practice mindfulness or are Zen practitioners or sure. You know, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wonder, I wonder, you know, how that energy um there's a a book you know that a friend of mine wrote uh uh, lama rod owens wrote a book called love and rage and it's talking about sort of transforming the energy of anger and rage really about that to a place of connection and and connection with self and with others and i think that it's so funny because i feel like the more i study about trauma and our nervous systems and the ways in which we are influenced in terms of what we decide to do with engagement and acting out for, you know, not acting out. I mean like engaging in a, in a positive way versus staying in a more contained way. So much of it is about safety or what we perceive as being safe. And I just wonder if the showing your rage and solidarity for, you know, for some folks feels as though it's, it's not safe. And yet at the same time, it's ironic because it also keeps in place the system that then makes everyone not safe. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't support that. You know, it's just like, I hope like, yeah, can, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. Like, at least I think that people No, should. I get it. I get it. You want people to kind of shake it off and to kind of be bold. And I think that's what we witnessed last summer, right? There were those, Yeah, like, totally. That, that was, I cannot speak for my like black friends you know like how they felt you know but like for me to be able to speak up and like show them that I am angry as well like this is crazy and uh, I don't know if that is helping at all but like that's the only thing I could show them like hey I'm I'm with you like you know let's feel this pain together you know like right yeah um yeah I don't know just sad so sad yeah Um, yeah and also that there are so many systems and it's interesting because when we talk about racism and we talk about hate crimes and we talk about uh violence you know and we talk about trauma there are a lot of ways in which I find people say well this kind of trauma and this kind of racism is worse than this kind of trauma or this kind of racism or this kind of, you know, if it's homophobia versus sexism or, but I'm a woman, but I'm Jewish, but I'm black, but I'm an immigrant, but I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, my able-bodied, you know, this isn't centered in the way that, you know, able-bodiedness is centered in all these kinds of things and that people have a, almost a competition. But what I'm hearing you say is that, Yes, they're unique and specific ways in which yeah. certain marginalized communities get targeted. And also there's a way that we can join in unity around not spiritual bypassing and skipping ahead, but in really feeling and resonating and being there, holding one another during these times. Yes, I think that's very important. I think that is very important. Like that, I understand what you were saying about the fighting, like, oh, my pain is more and like, or think about my pain, you know, that's. I definitely witnessed that conversation over people for sure. But what we can really do is like to feel together and like, you know, we're, we're together holding ourselves together. You know, that's, we can't understand someone 
it's like bad past like you can't understand the feel like it's not about the racism or any hate crimes or anything but you cannot understand understand anybody else's pain but what you can do is like hold their hands and like all right i'm with you like that's what we can do so yeah yeah no i i really appreciate what you're saying there and it is true right that there are systemic things that have kept people um in certain roles or with certain beliefs. And, and I'm curious, you mentioned your kimono and you also mentioned that in Japanese culture that the women are kind of in the background. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about both of those? Um, so like I started wearing kimono uh, maybe a couple years ago, just like once a year, like for special occasions. But then like this summer, I realized that I have so many kimonos from my mom and my grandma whom I've ever, never met. Um, my grandma uh, but yeah. I have my grandma's kimono like and uh, like it's connecting to my culture and I really felt like it's important to connect to my culture even though I'm in New York um, and then that it's cool but for as a woman like um, even like being in front of people just like hey like look at me like I'm playing jazz piano wearing kimono it's just like kind of like a little bit uh, oh, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know. It caught my attention. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, sometimes good because you thought, oh, she's interesting, right? That's really cool. I really appreciate that, that you thought about me. Like, that's really good. Like, it's working well. But then, like, in Japan, if I do the same exact thing, wear a kimono to my shows and, like, post my photos of wearing kimonos and stuff like that. I don't know if the reaction will be the same. Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure because I haven't done it there, but not sure if the reaction will be the same. Um, It's getting better though. It's getting better. Like the women have more power definitely. And they're more, you know, speaking up and like they're working like men do and stuff like that. But then like a lot of like old systems in Japan, like they're like just to the government level, like they're 95% men and like 5% of female governors and stuff like that. It's just still there. It's still there. And they don't really believe that women can work the same level of like men. They really believe in that shit. So, um, and women sometimes do believe that too. Mm-hmm. because everybody else believe in that way so i'm a woman i should be at home raising our kids uh, and then you know like oh you know i i had a dream to be a musician no 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 you know definitely some of them are like that i know my friends who used to be super killing pianist she's like totally retired she's my age she's like oh no 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 i don't even play piano anymore wow I was like, wow, you were so much better than me even, you know? Wow. So it's, it's, it's ironic, but like the culture whole, you know, the whole energy changed a person at least, you know, like, right. and I just decided to leave, you know, I was like, oh, this is not good. I'm right. going to leave. <laughs> right, right, right. It's so interesting because we talk about collectivist cultures versus the individualistic mindset in the Western way in which the individualism, the rugged individualism, that um, sort of meritocracy kind of mentality that has been put forward in the United States 
um, and throughout much of the Western world, uh, and, and how it's kind of a false notion of being exclusively independent as if we exist apart from everyone else. And what I hear you saying isn't so much the binary around black and white of it's either individual or collective, um, but that we have a, a connective cultural system, but I also need my uniqueness celebrate. I also need my, yeah. my uniqueness seen in that way. And it's interesting to hear you say this because it almost feels as though if you weren't complying, like your friend, the pianist who gave up her piano did with what the cultural expectations were, yeah. that in many ways do take care of one another at a certain level. Uh, sure, yeah. At a, at a certain level, I would, or you tell me if, 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 if it happens that way or, or not, I'm, I'm maybe making this up, um, but that there's a longing for, for being that unique person that, that you right. are and, yes. and that that's part of why you, why you came. Yeah, I think uh, the desire of mine to be the person who create music and present was more than my friend who ended up uh, quitting. So um, it's just, uh, and we talk still, you know, we still do talk and like, she's like, oh, I watched your feed and, you know, like she yeah. supports and then she listens to jazz still, you know, it's like, cool. But, um, and she's happy with her kids. Like I don't have kids, you know? Yeah. Like um, what I do is a lot of work. So I admire people who have kids and like do still the same level right. there are out there strong women like kudos to you you know um but, I love seeing women musicians I love and and I love I love I love seeing you know seeing that I want to ask you a couple questions one about how you practice what your routine is in terms of musically you know what do you do and um the other question I forget but I'll think of it so maybe we'll start with the first one okay the first one uh I don't have any specific I do this, like saxophone players have like a long tones and like do this thing or drummers have rudiments and stuff like that. I don't have any, I don't have any of that, but I, I just play whatever I want to play because uh, I'm not the most skillfully like gifted player, maybe because I didn't like practice when I was young so much, but I just like to create music so I don't really like to practice alone mm. I'd much rather just call a couple friends to show up to my apartment hey do you want to play a session and then I just like play with them and use my ears yeah. that's like my best way of practicing this music at least I love what you're saying I mean I used to play a little bit of piano when I was young and I started hey. fake, I no, I mean I started Facebook and I got to the Mixolydian scales and I said I'm yeah. out Oh, I don't know any of the scales. So yeah, don't I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what that's about. But what I love what you're saying is two things. One is that um, what you're what you're talking about. They call it ventral vagal in polyvagal theory, uh, which is a theory on nervous system regulation that Stephen Forges created, and it's it's the social engagement. We talk about fight, flight, and freeze as trauma responses, where we feel as though the safety of our, our of our animal body, of our human animal body, of our mammalian body is threatened. And yet when we're in a feeling of safety, we're in ventral vagal, we're in social engagement, like you and I are now. We feel okay together. We're not feeling like something 
is going to happen, although it could, we don't know, but we're not feeling like there's, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know we're not, and so we're, we're kind of enjoying one another. And, and it's interesting that you say you don't like practicing because you don't like practicing alone. I also felt that way. I wanted to be with people. I wanted yes. to be, even if it was having someone in the room, being with me, listening to me practice, it was better than me. That's scary. That's scary. Well, not because they were paying attention to what I was doing, but because, oh, yeah, okay. was, but because there was another person in the room. And I guess what I love what you're saying is, is this is the natural flow, your ear, your gift, you're able to create and be spontaneous and improvise. And that that imagination and play comes out of the safety and the connection mm. that you feel when you're together with these other people who are the musician friends that nice. you have. Nice. Yeah. Sure. It's you know, that's great. Um, I kind of agree. I, uh, I guess so. I never thought like that. So it's, I'm really interested in that. Like, it's, uh, it's interesting to think like, I, do I feel safe though? Do I? I guess I do. Cause like I play with my friends and stuff. That's why like I get to try things and I get to, explore what I can do so I have the you know environment that I could kind of count on my friends like they're you know they got my back so like they they let me be me right beautiful yes, yes they've got my back they let me be me yeah just like when you have you know you have the bass and the drums. I mean, you, they're there and, you know, you can explore. And, and I think that that's when you look at babies and you look at the tapes around, you know, when babies come back to their mothers or not, and you look at things called attachment styles of, about Ooh. when they're sort of learning that their mother's a safe, reliable place or their early caregiver, which doesn't have to be their mother, but it often is. Um, or whether or not they are fearful about that attachment figure or whether they feel as though they're not going to be there for them. These are things that shape us early on in terms of whether or not we feel like it's okay to make that connection. And from a practice of like mindfulness and generosity and reaching out, it's usually our fear that it won't be safe if we reach out to make the connection and the person isn't there. Or if we do reach out that they hurt us instead of being receptive and being kind or, you know, and, and I think that that's um, such a loss for us, you know, that trauma. It's my cat. Here, she, might, she might as well. We might, we're just having a, we're having a pennies on the podcast today. Oh this my is, God, so yeah. Cute. She's a little, she's a little, she's a little chunky monkey. Um, uh, I do. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's soft she's soft um she keeps me sane but that idea that you're talking about in terms of being able to be creative out of being socially engaged in a way that makes you feel supported I think is really important for other people because we talk about yoga we talk about drumming we talk about dancing we talk about cooking these things that are sort of repetitive movements and 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 sensory experiences that can help regulate us so that we're not so contracted we're not so yeah 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 you know yeah, yeah. um okay the other thing I want to ask you I remember is what was it like to learn English you said you didn't know any I, I mean like I did know some because like you know we have the general English uh, education in in Japan uh like I guess like I could write I could write things but I couldn't understand what the hell people were saying 
um, when I was in my English school, like second language program, I was crying every day. I remember that because it's, have you been in the room? Everybody else speaks this language that you kind of know, but they're so fast that it just sounds like a, like a magical words, like, but they're talking to each other. And you are the only one who doesn't understand. So it was so frightening. Oh my God. Oh, dude. I don't want to, I don't want to remember. I don't want to think about this. Uh huh. Every day. Oh, so scared going to opening the classrooms. Like, oh, another four hours of torture again. Wow. Four yeah. hours. Wow. Yes. I, uh, I mean, it helped me, helped me a lot, but yes. It was, it was pretty scary. I, I, I guess that's so interesting, though, too, right? Because, I mean, I'm sure you've traveled all around the world as a musician. Did, yeah. and, and, you know, you decided to move here to New York from um, Japan. What do people, bless you, what do people not know or need to know or find as beneficial about traveling and experiencing other cultures and people? What have you learned? Um, other languages? It's, yeah, it's just the... Uh... Well, what I learned is like English is very useful. I can like, after I get to speak English, I can go anywhere. I feel like, oh, I could go literally anywhere because some, a lot of people can just a little bit manage English anywhere. So that, that's different. But uh, as a Japanese woman, like coming from like a specific cultural like place, um, going to like a, for example, like Europe, like I, when I went to Europe, like, um, uh, eight years ago, like the first time after moving to New York, so I could speak a little English now, and then I get to go to Europe and like, wow, like I don't understand any of them, but um, because I know another language now, n- not just only Japanese, like I feel like my wall is like a little bit shorter. I get to try to learn. Like there was a fear for me before speaking English, it's like, oh, what if like I make mistakes? That's rude. Or like, oh, that's so embarrassing. I don't want to even say anything. But then now I'm like, oh, what, like, what is, what is there to lose? You know, let's go, you know, then mm-hmm. like I get to fully enjoy their culture, food and their humor and like their dances and like, you know, arts and like all those crazy stuff because I'm, I know that there's nothing to lose. So like I get to really fully enjoy it. And it's, it's so important. Like I hope a lot of people after, you know, vaccinated and everything, yeah, yeah. people actually go out and fully embrace, embrace themselves to enjoy the culture. Yeah. I think it's yeah. important. I, you know, you've said a couple of things as we're kind of winding down today that stand out for me. You made it very clear, like, Hey, we're all going to die. And so I'm going to be giving thanks to all the things that were once alive, the plants, the food that I eat. I'm going to prepare it with gratitude. You said, I'm going to stand in solidarity with my friends. I want more rage and more outrage around um, anti-Asian violence, but just any kind of violence in, in, in general, I'm really hearing you say, but specifically around, um, you know, speaking up and, 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 and making sure that we hold each other's hand. I've heard you say that, you know, culturally as a woman in Japan, it felt like you really needed to come and kind of make your own way and make your own path, um, but that your discipline of whatever it was with your classical music early on and your sort of improvisation and your, your, your desire to be creative, that that when done with other people in a playful, 
creative safe space is your is your greatest joy along with connecting with people and being really alive when you travel and and, yes. and meet people and do these things and yet you were depressed, you drank a lot, and you smoked. <laughs> and so I guess what I'm saying is that you're very alive, you're very dynamic, yeah. and yet you're very human. I, I yes, 100%. <laughs> and I think, and I think people, I, I think people think that they're the only ones that are having troubles. Oh, no, everybody is like, look at the definitely neighbors, everybody just, you know, every friends of yours, they seem totally fine. They might be having the worst days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and what do you attribute this sort of shift? You said things are getting a little bit better. Do you do you have any sense of that? It's uh, you know mid March now in 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 twenty twenty one. For you yeah. personally, what shifted for you? Um, so it's funny. Like the uh, last year, twenty twenty March fourteenth is my birthday. March fourteenth and fifteenth. Those are happy birthday. That, thank you. Yeah. Um, those are the days that. Uh, I played the last gig before lockdown oh. and then the last two nights, uh, I guess not last night, but like 14th and 15th this year, I also played the gigs and then like, I can totally feel the energy is like the last year it was going down and that's this year, the energy is going up like, because we have future gigs. We have, things to do like now I'm still, still playing music with my friends it's not like I'm like in this cave alone with my husband like it's just not like that it's just like oh I'm seeing a new person I'm seeing you know Gano Kego is coming by tonight to play with me you know it's yeah. like great cats showing up and play support each other and the birds you know just yeah, like literally singing. you know that they're singing and just like oh like the whole you know like the New York is a specific place i believe that they're like longing for this energy to bloom the entire year they're waiting for it so i really feel the sizzling of let's let's make this happen this summer we're gonna we're gonna freaking do this you know yeah I feel the energy and uh yes i, I love that yeah I, I love that. I love that, Mickey. Okay, so tell me how people, to let people know how they can watch you on Wednesday nights on your live stream and where they can uh, find out more about you. Yeah, so you can go to my website, but uh, mostly um, you can go to my Facebook artist page, Mickey Amanaka Music. Um, then you'll be able to watch the feed every week for free. And then uh, we have we we will not repeat a song like we pick composers every week, different unique bass players in the New York City from everywhere else. So uh, yeah, just like come come join us, to come watch the show. If you miss it in the live, that's Wednesday uh, six p.m. every every Wednesday. But uh, you can watch it on my YouTube channel. And I always post concerts until the weekend. So you can always catch us. And uh, even not like just, you know, like I host jam session every Monday at Smalls. Like you can find me anywhere. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, you're everywhere. Okay. All right. That sounds good. No, I, I love that. And I love that. And I, and I do feel as though this, 
community of live stream music and watching a concert live online with other people virtually has really been a nice escape for me. I know this winter in terms of feeling connected and enjoying in a shared experience, even though you don't have an audience the way you used to, but you know, you have an audience out there, you know, it's really nice to know, you know, someone watching us. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for continuing to provide the music. Is there anything else you want to share before we close for today? Um, well, I just would like to thank you for having me. It was a, such a unique conversation coming from your point of view. And like, it was really interesting for me. Then uh, I was really glad to talk about like who I am, more about music and stuff. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us, Mickey, yeah. and for sharing your light with the world. Yay. I'm Francesca Maxime, everyone. You can find more about me on MaximeClarity.com. Yes, go and there. And I'll see you next time on Rerooted. All right, take it easy. Mm-hmm.